You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. And welcome back. I'm Heather Caro. And I'm Father John Rutten. And we're broadcasting today from St. John Paul II Parish in Harrisburg, South Dakota. Thank you for joining us. If you've missed any of our great conversations that we've already had this morning, you can always go to realpresenceradio.com and you can find it as a podcast on there. Or you can download our free app and we upload our podcast there. So there's a lot of opportunity. We've had a lot of golden nuggets today. There's been a nugget or two. A nugget or two. Yeah. So I'm excited for the third installment of your journey to the priesthood, the journey of to where you are today. Yes. So let's recap real quick Yeah. for those that may have missed the first two segments. Yeah, so basically, uh, you know, a young boy growing up like everybody else in the nor- north end of Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and um, was just relaying how I ended up coming to this point of priesthood in that first um, kind of installment, you might want to say, was... Uh, up until I got sober. So I'm an alcoholic, uh, been sober now over 16 years. And so that moment of like getting to that point of asking for help and what happened in the treatment center. Um, and that kind of switched into the second part was from the treatment center where I really had this living experience of the presence of Jesus Christ that changed me to spending a couple of years, then figuring out, okay, I'm sober now, but I don't know who I am. I don't know mm-hmm. what to do. I don't know where to go. And the people that helped me kind of journey for a couple of years uh, um, until I had fulfilled what the Lord put in my heart in the treatment center, which was go to the seminary. And do you remember that one of the shows that we were doing and you were talking about your alcoholism, that it was on the anniversary of you becoming sober? That's right. Oh my gosh! Yeah. God moments. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we were blown away that we were day blown, too. Cause, yeah, because we even in the moment we're like, "Oh, oh it's today." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. October twenty eighth. Yep, it uh, has been a quite a quite a blessing, uh, Grace. But uh, yeah, and in that in that, uh, it, I knew I was I was changed. My desire changed in that treatment center. Uh, I knew I was loved by God. I knew I belonged. I like everything. I started praying the rosary in the treatment center. Like lots changed there. But the the real the thing was go to the seminary. At the end of like this experience I had, go to the seminary. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to tell anybody that. I was like, I'm a wretch. Like what are they? You know? <laughs> so I remember going to Father Mason, and I'm like, uh, I think I might. I was supposed to go to the seminary. You know? and I was like, and they're like, no, your twin's already there. Yeah, and he already knew. Yeah, exactly. And he already knew the journey here. He knew everything. And I was like, there's no way he's going to accept this. And and he's like, okay, yeah, let's get ready. You know. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> uh, but uh, so yeah. So in the end, uh, to kind of just bring it right to the seminary years, I had met some friends, and one of my friends, Mark, had already entered the seminary. Uh, and so he was a semester ahead of me, I think, or maybe a year ahead of me when I entered. And in a way, we I mean, it was a huge gift but I, that I didn't see at the time. But he and I drove to the se- uh, I ended up in the seminary in Connecticut. And so to start, we drove out there. And it was kind of like the life adventure. And I never I I don't know. I didn't do a lot of those. I didn't do a lot of those things sober. 
Um, I did a lot of those things drinking. So my life of adventure that I just love in my heart always included alcohol and chaos and, and um, things. So here was this like adventure, two-week adventure with a friend, and we were going to drive out to Connecticut, and we went up you know, north, and we went over, all over the place. We went all over the place. And um, I remember as it was getting closer, I sort of had a lot of anxiety and I couldn't really pin it. I didn't even know myself well enough to really understand. But I, I just was like growing in this like tension. And plus, you're with another person for two weeks, you know. <laughs> in a car. Yeah, in a car and you don't have booze, you know. I mean, I'd never been with somebody sober for two weeks. <laughs> well, I'm I mean, in that way, but, you know. Right. Uh, yeah, so, uh, so we got there and uh, I had grown into my ability to see that friends were important. I had grown in my ability to see God's will was at work in my life in concrete circumstances. I had grown in my ability to see, experience his presence, like to sense, like you're with me, you are Mm -hmm. with me. Like he gave me some enormous graces in those two years between sobering up and going to the seminary. I'd go up to the chapel of the sacred heart and at the cathedral here in St. Joseph, beautiful cathedral. If you've never seen it, but in the back is a little gem the whole thing's a gem, yeah. but in the back is a little diamond and this chapel that is exquisite and filled with beauty. And I'd sit there in front of the Blessed Sacrament and two hours could go by. So just, just, just like filled with love, just totally like you're with your, you know, your mom and you don't want to go anywhere. Yeah. It was just so beautiful. Well, and, and I, I think could... it's important. I think it's important. A, a piece that you said that people might not focus on is that from the moment of becoming sober and getting out of treatment to the moment you're on your way to seminary was two years, two years. Yep. That's two years. You know, I think we tend to think, okay, I've gone through the 12 steps. I've done these things. I've done what I'm supposed to do. Now, why isn't everything perfect? Yeah. Oh, in wait. Yeah. (laughs) No, exactly. I mean, something beautiful happened, but then I had a journey that was really painful. Those two years were filled with a lot of self-searching and a lot of like, yes. So I just wanted to focus on that a little bit. Great. Perfect. Well, there's going to be more. So <laughs> I take the leap and I follow and I'm like, okay, I'm supposed to go. So we go there. I drop him off at the airport because he drove out there in my car. I drop him off at the airport in Hartford, Connecticut. And I come down off the, the, the drop off thing. And all of a sudden, like all of this, I just start convulsing. I can't control myself. Uh, I'm just sobbing and sobbing and sobbing. I have to pull over just like right, come off, drop him off, just like right, not even like a hundred yards, 200 yards. And I have to pull over and I'm just convulsing and I, I can't gain hold of myself. Um, is it like anxiety? Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know what, I don't know what it is. I've never gone through this before. Um, the only thing I can say is it's the closest thing that I've ever experienced to the day I got sober, the sickness in my stomach, the like, I don't know how to describe it, but it's a really anxious mm. moment. And I just got there, and I'm, and so I had learned, call someone. And so, right, these two years had taught me. When you're in trouble, I had been in, like, call someone. Yeah. Don't do this alone. Don't do this alone. I always thought I had, could do it all on my own. I don't need anybody else. Yeah. I'll work harder than you. I don't need you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I call someone from home, and he just kind of listens to me, kind of calms me down. And then he says, you know what? I hadn't even been to the seminary yet. 
like I'm driving to the seminary now. He says, when you get to the seminary, look for someone who needs help. That's all he said. You're like, but I need help. Yeah, exactly, (laughs) Heather. Isn't this the trick? We think that the way to help ourselves is like to do something for ourselves. And he was like, "Uh, why don't you look outside yourself? Why don't you see what God has in store? Look, Find someone who needs help, right? And what does he know? We just got to get out of our own. Like so many times we just dwell in paralysis analysis, paralysis analysis, and we're (laughs) worse. And he's like, find someone who needs help. I drive into the seminary, never been there, never. Uh, I drive into the seminary, and I go in the front door. And in the front door entryway of this uh, administrative building is a family. There's a husband who looks like he's from Europe, a wife who looks like she's from Asia, uh, two children who look like they're the combination of the two, and then another older child who looks like he's a different kind of Asian. Find someone who needs help. So I introduce myself. And this family's at the seminary? This family is standing in the entrance of the seminary. Okay, random. No one else is on campus. Kind of random. I'm early. Okay? Right. Uh, and so I introduce myself. And this young man was from China. And he was a uh, second son. And his family lost all of their property. All of their property was confiscated because his mother had this child and didn't abort him. And, um, but they let him keep the child, but they confiscated all the property. He ended up living with an aunt for a long period of time. And then they found out that it was the child of somebody else because his aunt wanted to have a child and da-da-da-da. Um, and in the end, they were at this event where uh, they were going to ordain a bishop without the Vatican's approval. And at the seminary, they came in and said, who doesn't want to attend this event? And this seminarian had orchestrated all of the other seminarians to all say they won't attend to support the Vatican. They didn't want to support the local church or the communist party. And um, when they asked, only three people stood up. The other two of the people they took out of the room, I don't know what happened to him, and he was standing behind a pole and they couldn't see him. And this is in China. This is in China. In an area that's heavily Catholic, so they don't have as much oppression. I mean, now they might. This is a long time ago. Um, and he uh, then then sat down, but then eventually, you know, he knew something had to happen. This was going to get out. And one of his teachers ended up helping him sort of escape and get away, in, basically in the middle of the night. I mean, it was clandestine. And even up until the moment they're in the airport, they don't know what's going to happen and if they're going to stop him, if they're going to let him fly out, if they're going to do whatever. Uh, but this man knew someone who knew Archbishop Robert Carlson. And he was in Saginaw, Michigan. And he, they connected the two of them. And then that's why he went to Holy, Holy Apostles where I was in school. And he's in there. So they say, Carlson. And I'm like, uh, that's my bishop that just left us a couple, like a year wow. ago, uh, two years ago. Uh, I know exactly. So all of a sudden, this Chinese seminarian who got to America a few days before, who has no idea, he doesn't speak a lick of English. Hmm. And we have the same contact. So I helped him 
over the days I helped him buy tennis shoes. I helped him talk to other people. I mean, I don't know anything. And he was so smart. He learned English. He figured things out. But uh, that was really the entrance into seminary life was to learn to look at it from other people's perspective, to find people who are in need of help. And I stayed with, I met a lot of people outside the seminary out there in Connecticut. I love to go meet ordinary people and they helped me a ton. But then I would go back to the seminary and I sort of had this beginning sense that um, the seminary was a bit disconnected. Like there was something in ordinary life that I needed to stay connected to. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so my time there was really beautiful. I experienced tons in the church. I would uh, um, basically say yes. I don't know. I was so open then from that moment forward, basically. I was like, Lord, whatever you have for me, show me. And then I, I grew in my ability to see, oh, I didn't put that seminary in there. I didn't put that family there. And so as things would sort of arrive, then I would like discern in my heart. And I'm like, I should do that. I should Mm. like take that path. And I, I grew in my ability to not like, do I like this or not like this? No, if it's something that's proposed and it's sort of fascinating, I should take a, take adventure. But I always did it in a way that it, I shouldn't say like or didn't like, like as an example, I don't like Beethoven's Ninth Symphony. I don't like classical music. Okay. <laughs> but I really liked Dr. Marguerite Mule Duncan, my chant professor. And she fascinated me. And I was like, whatever you want us to do, I'll do. You know, <laughs> you want me to go somewhere? Okay, I'll go. You know, okay. if you're going, I'll go. You know, she's just beautiful. And she had this presence about her that was so attractive. And I thought, yep, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm not, my, not sure why. I think she had, they had her teaching at the seminary to ensure that, like, if our vocation wasn't to, to the priesthood, we'd figure it out or something. I mean, this woman was amazing. And and she loved music, and she taught me to love music. But she didn't do it by imposing it on me. She ended up. She said one day, she said, "Everyone can sing, maybe not well, but everyone can sing mm-hmm. if they put the effort in." And that sat with me. It kind of was attractive. It was interesting. I was like, "Whoa, I I kind of want to be able to sing." You mean mm-hmm. everyone can? Maybe not well. I want that. And I remember going up her stairs in that same administrative building on the third story, going up these stairs, knocking on her door and saying, Dr. Duncan, uh, do you remember when you said that everyone can sing? Uh, I'd like you to prove it to me. (laughs) (laughs) I did. Prove it to me. Prove it to me. And she taught me to sing. And I don't do it super well. I don't practice a lot anymore is the problem. But she opened up this dynamic of music to me that that was such a gift. And she said, we're going to Yale Symphony Orchestra to listen to Beethoven's Ninth Symphony. And I was like, Mm. I hate symphonies. You know, I'm like, but if you're going, I'm going. And, you know, it's kind of the same thing. Hey, follow me. Follow me. Jesus was saying through her, hey, don't think you know everything. Take a risk. Follow me. And I went to Beethoven's Ninth Symphony and Yale Symphony Orchestra, and I sat there, and I experienced something I never experienced before. As I looked down on this, this stage, this area, I was like, this is a living organism. There is something more here than the sum of those people on mm. that stage. And I was just changed. Mm. I thought, this is amazing. And from that day forward, the... the, the classical music like has a real presence to me god is doing something in the midst of that and so i don't have it now because of covid but just last year out here two years ago i got season tickets to the south dakota symphony orchestra why because i learned way back then 
to, to live this way. And I found something that's interesting to me. And I don't know a lot of people that like to do that, but I like to do it. And so I started living in a different way. And then I found, you know what? I don't want to do it alone. So I bought three season passes so that I can invite two friends to come with me. Love it. Love it. So a little nugget of my first couple years in seminary. Well, we've got more to come because we're going to continue Father John Rutten's story after this break. We're going to be right back, folks. Stay with us. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Real Presence Radio is experiencing rapid growth and has an additional opening in the Rapid City area for a part-time listener relations coordinator. This person will assist with spreading the word about RPR, including help with the live drives, fall banquet, and major gifts. A qualified candidate should demonstrate excellent self-management and time management skills. If you sense a call to serve God in this capacity, please send a cover letter, your resume, and references to Brittany at realpresenceradio.com or call 877-795-0122. Actually, I've been listening to Catholic radio since I was a kid. My mom got like a shortwave radio back in the day to pick up pick up Mother Angelica's station. So my favorite, favorite shows on our Real Presence Radio would have to be, um, well, I, like, I love the Coming Home Network and listening to stories. And mm-hmm. um, there are so many good ones, though, that I really enjoy. Yeah, faith has always been an important role in the upbringing. My parents were always... Um, uh, we always had bedtime prayers that, in fact, we use those same prayers now, Teddy and I do with our children um, at bedtime. But um, they sent us to Catholic school, uh, but always uh, family and faith were always a very integral part of our upbringing. We went to Mass together, and well, and my uncle, Father John, who is a priest, was always a, pr- a role there, always a presence in our family. So it seemed very good and normal, and um, we had all Catholic friends. It seemed we, we really loved our faith growing up. Rose Management is a family-owned business that believes in good morals, doing the right thing, and treating our residents as family. Rose Management provides affordable housing to complexes throughout North Dakota and Minnesota. All Rose Management properties and our maintenance staff are in a centralized location in their cities. If you have any questions, you can call 701-237-6840 or online at rosemanagement.net. Again, that number is 701-237-6840. And welcome back. I am Heather Caro. And I'm Father John Rutten. And we're broadcasting today from St. John Paul II Parish in Harrisburg, South Dakota. And we've been talking about Father John Rutten's third installment of his journey to the priesthood. If you've missed the first two installments, um, a way that you can go listen to those is going to realpresenceradio.com. And then if you go to our podcast section and in there you search Father John Rutten. It'll pull up all the all the interviews that Father John ah, has done. That's so, great. Yeah, that's my little trick. So you can do that on our podcast page on our website and find the first two installments of his journey to the priesthood. And I kind of think not just journey to the priesthood, but journey to who you are today. Yeah. So one thing that I've been hearing you say, Father, is that when an opportunity arises. You, even though you might feel uncomfortable to take that opportunity, you would go for it. My question, it sounds to me like by this point, you had learned 
you had learned what God's voice sounded like to you? Um, yeah, in a way. Uh, you know, he's always mysterious, so he always ex- is expanding. Mm-hmm. You know, but there is that sense. What? What? It, what? What? Um, oh. Because that's a really big question people ask a lot of. It's how do I know it's from God? How do I know it's of God? How do I know what he sounds like, et cetera, et cetera. And it's different for every person. Mm -hmm. And so I'm getting some of that, that you had figured some of that out by this point. This this would be a couple of things that happened is, number one, I actually think I probably knew it better then than I do now. when when you don't have much, you actually look at reality better. And it's sort of a correspondence. Something is happening here and something is happening in, in here. I mean, like outside of me in my life. Mm-hmm. And then something is happening in my heart. And by my heart, I mean my full reason, my my full use of my intelligence, not just like an emotion. But there's something happening inside of me. And I say, yes, that's it. Go there. And then you just judge it by the fruit. I mean, you don't know totally. This is part of the problem, too, is we think we can get to a certainty and then step forward. No, you just have to kind of leap forward. And the other thing is, is you learn to uh, understand when others are instruments of God. So I had someone in my life and I could and I and I recognize when I follow what they're proposing, I usually end up in a better place. So Mm -hmm. God, you must have put this person in particularly for me. And so being open to others, being open to that person I called that said, look for someone for help. Well, if I'm constantly second guessing the person, you know, Mm -hmm. but if I'm also listening to the wrong person because of whatever reason. So those are the sort of things I would say, uh, but it just gets really simple. You know, I had times that people would want to do things, you know, I would say maybe example would be uh, because of how I came to faith. Um, I would say sometimes my initial reaction to pious things is a bit distant because I grew up with all of those things and mm. it didn't reach me. And so it's not that I don't like them. It's that I'm really interested in the thing that makes me want to do them. Mm-hmm. So if you're telling mm-hmm. me the rosary is going to make my relationship with Jesus and Mary better, I sort of want to think, well, I prayed the rosary a lot growing up. Uh, and I still yeah. like, so what is it that makes me desire to have a relationship with Mary and Jesus, Joseph, to Jesus, that makes me want to pray the rosary that makes my relationship grow. And so things like that, I'm, I'm, I'm just more free to say, let's talk about it. And it can kind of be treacherous territory. Cause then people can be like, don't you like Mary? <laughs> you know, I'm yeah. like, well, yes, I love Mary, but I just like have a real question. Like, I'm trying to look at this, and I don't understand. And I remember in seminary, I asked a question about baptism. You know, we're in seminary, we're studying, we're far along. I think I'm almost going to be ordained a deacon, and I'm like, you know what? Baptism doesn't really seem to be. I mean, there's nothing different between a Buddhist and a Christian to me. Mm. I mean, they're all good people. They're all trying to do good things. Uh, this is what my I'm thinking. Yeah. I've actually never met a Buddhist, so. I actually don't know. Okay. <laughs> you have now, no evidence, right? Yeah, and I haven't met all Christians. I mean, I so I just am living a lot of preconceptions, and I'm just saying, I don't understand. Baptism doesn't seem to make a difference. Well, Heather, I'm going to be a data deacon. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Who is going to ask that question? But I really have this question. I need to know. And here's somebody God has put in front of me. So I asked the question in class. It was the most frightening class. I, I remember the moment. I'm like, I have to ask it because I don't understand. But who wants to ask it and look like they don't know what baptism is? 
I'm just saying that baptism doesn't seem to be do anything. Okay? Right. Do you get me? Right. Oh, careful, everybody that's listening to this and thinks I might be a heretic. I've <laughs> made progress. Not. And what I've known is, ask the questions. I don't, and I don't have the answers either. Looks ask like, the questions. Ask the questions. And that class, the minute I asked it, the professor was like, what? Did what everybody guess? There's nobody different. <gasps> the, the professor did. And he said, the, and he just kind of said this. In real simple, he said the exact opposite thing from a Christian is a Buddhist. And he didn't get into, like, who's right or wrong. He said, he started a place I could understand. He said, in front of desire, okay, in front of desire, the Buddhist is going to say that the way to serenity, the way to nirvana, the way to peace is to reduce it. To eliminate desire, right? Uh, oh, to to okay. come to a place of like zen, right? Mm. Is to okay. The Christian is going to say the answer to your desire is the fulfillment of it. And I thought, now this is a man that understands me. I need to ask more <laughs> questions to him because that makes sense. I don't yeah. quite get it, but he started a place I could understand my desire. Why? Because I had a desire for freedom. I had a desire to be liberated from drinking. I had a desire for meaning in my life. I had a desire, and all you guys want to do is talk about baptism? I don't get it. Like, it doesn't, it, something's not connected. <laughs> but when he took baptism and connected it to my desire and then answered a real thing I was trying to figure out with Buddhism and Christianity, and that's why I just the other night in the canyon talked about going to the banquet and reminding everybody that if you feel alive because you're serving at the banquet, let's not attach that to Christianity. Christianity isn't us doing good things because Buddhists do good things too. Mm-hmm. And if we live on that level of like of it, of it doing good things, then we don't understand what baptism is. Wow. Baptism is the recognition that the one who <clears throat> saves me and claims me is Jesus Christ, and I've experienced him in an encounter in my life. That's baptism. And then, yeah, I'm filled with all kinds of ups and downs and torments and things, but, but, I, but I keep coming back to the one who knows me, and he already claimed me, and he has promised me a path, and I just keep coming back. And when I try and go away, he keeps coming and getting me. He just keeps coming and getting me. Why don't I keep? I'm just going to stop running away now. Right? I mean, this is like a whole different level playing field than Buddhism. Mm-hmm. But up until that moment, for me, it was all the same. But to have that ability to say, okay, I've got to ask the question, folks. And that day in that room, right after he said that, he gave a 60-minute nonstop explanation of what? Not of the Christian, but of the human person of what it means to be a human person. Heather, three, four weeks ago at the canyon, I drew a quadrant diagram, and I put the human person up there, the Thomistic psychology of the human person, the body and the soul, the intellect and the will, and the way in which all of these things happen. I learned that that day. Hmm. And the thing that struck me was he wasn't telling me things that were in my head that I had to memorize. He was telling me the words that explained the experience I had had was that when I look at reality and everything that hits me, I immediately go to my emotions that all of a sudden I'm stuck, but that then I go to my emotions and then I start doing things based on how I feel. Mm -hmm. And the longer I do things based on how I feel, I eventually decide that this is what's true. Mm. 
So I, my senses take in reality. I have an emotion. I act on my emotions and my feelings, and then I decide that the truth is the way that I act because we want to act according to what is good. Nobody wants to do something they don't think is good. So eventually you decide that the truth is different. And the Christian is the one who, by the grace of the Holy Spirit, not their own effort, by the grace of the Holy Spirit, grows in a moment of grace to say, the minute reality comes to you, pause. And then you ask for the grace, what's true here? Hmm. And from your awareness, even if it's limited, even if it's imperfect, even if it's not all there, from your awareness of what is true then, act on that. But you're going to need grace again. <laughs> All the time. Hey, yep, yep. Why do I do the things that I do? St. Paul, no different today. Why do I keep doing these things? But, but you know it's true, right? Yep. Okay, now pray for the grace that you could live according to what God's truth is that has been revealed to you. And little by little, you're going to focus on what you can't do because you're a human being. Focus on the things that you end up being able to do and realize that you didn't do that by your effort. And see how God's assisting you and aiding you in this journey. And pay attention to the fact that he doesn't leave you. And eventually, all of your emotions flow then from these right choices. Mm. Your thinking impacts your actions. Your actions impacts your emotions. And your emotions then are ordered. And this is where you experience the life of joy. Joy is not just a mere fleeting feeling. It's a, something in the depths of your heart that helps you know, like, I'm loved. You're here. I am who I am made to be. And this comes out in, it, in, its, in a different way than immediately experiencing something and then wanting a fleeting moment of happiness. Right. All of this happened because of that question sitting in that room. That whole, the canyon is the fruit of a long journey. Everybody's life is the fruit today of a long journey. Hmm. But we have to grow in our willingness to pay attention to the journey to, to have a place to dialogue with it and to be patient with ourselves because when you begin to see things, that can be a risk to see that. I didn't see that day. Oh, hey, you know what? In 10 years, you're going to have this class and it's going to be really awesome to teach about the psychology of the human person. So why don't you ask the question? Right. You know, that's what I want to do. I want to take <laughs> away the fear. I want to take away the risk. I want to take everything out before I do anything. That's not the way. The way is, what do you have? What's your question? And to just put it out there. And then to give it time because he didn't know he was going to answer my question. Then I had lots of questions in other ways that people couldn't answer. And then they'd say, I don't know. You should stay with that question. Keep looking at your life. That's a great question. And so over time, those things began to be. But I think before we go, what I want to want to end with was when I was in Connecticut, I thought I was going to go to, I thought it was possible I was going to go to school in Rome, or I thought it was possible I was going to go to school for the last four years of seminary in Denver. And I was there with another priest and I thought we were going together. And at the last moment I find out I'm going actually to Minnesota mm. and this priest is going to Rome. Hmm. And I was crushed. Yeah, I wouldn't want <laughs> We love crushed Minnesota, but... Because even my brother, Father Paul, went to Rome. Like, what's wrong with me? How come I'm not good enough to go to Rome? Like, if they went to send him to Rome, then it would have been different. But I'm like, so he's good enough and I'm not. Right? This is all a part of the deal. I yeah. still have these things to date. There's no way out of, like, the dynamic of, of the drama of the human person. My, I call my brother up. I learn. Okay? Mm -hmm. Call. Call someone. I call him. Take the risk. Paul, this is what I'm dealing with. Going to Rome. I'm going to Minnesota. I just feel like a pit in my stomach. He says, you know what, John? Save up your money. 
get a ticket, go over there and visit all of the things that everybody loves to do in Rome, and then get back on the plane and come home after two weeks. And most of the people in the seminary will wish they could get in the plane with you and go home. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, amazing. <laughs> Amazing. I remember the woods I was standing in when I was talking on my cell phone in the back of the seminary. I was like, whoa. <laughs> right? But I didn't know that was going to happen before I asked the question. I had to risk the question. I had to like put myself into play and not know what was going to happen. And sometimes I risk the question and then it comes back in a bad way. Like, I'm just telling you the, the, the good story. I get to St. Paul Seminary, and within the first year of being there, a seminary that I do not know very well, I know of him. He's in my class. He comes down the hallway. He knocks on my door. Hey, John, uh, my vocation director is going to go visit the seminarians from our diocese in Rome. Do you want to go with? Hmm. I said, yes. Yes. And just before that, I had received a $500 check from the Knights of Columbus back in my parish in Sioux Falls. I had received a $500 check from the Knights of Columbus at my parish in Mound, Minnesota. And I had received a $250 check because of some other thing from a different parish of the Knights of Columbus. $1,250. When I went to buy my plane ticket, it cost me $1,200. My gosh. And I just said... Ben, I don't know how I'm going to pay for anything else to get there, but I know I got my ticket. God will provide. And this is what I have discovered in the journey is God provides. We don't always see it, but God provides. And the Christian is the one who stays, just keeps at it, just keeps at it. The Christian is the one who recognizes that it's, who keeps at us. Yeah. He's, it's all up to him. It's all up to him. It's up to him. And he even comes in all of our frailty, all of our foibleness, all of our stuff. He, he, he'll be there. If you right now are listening to this and you wish you were someone else, you wish you were in a different place, you're filled with chaos, don't try and get out of it. Say a prayer. Just say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, where are you? And, and just keep taking the next step. I love it. Thank you, Father John. You're welcome, Heather. Thanks for asking. So next time I'm on, I would really like to request that we talk about that hour-long talk that the seminary, the priest gave to you at the seminary about the human. <laughs> okay. I want more. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> but we have a, it's Friday, and we have a show coming up on Monday. So let's go to Eli, and he's going to share with us what's happening Monday. Yeah, thanks, Heather. You know, I think, uh, you know, I agree with you there. You, you, you uh, led into this segment saying that this was going to be the final installment of Father John's story. But, uh, no, we need uh, more. Th- there's more there. I mean, we haven't <laughs> even gotten to Rome yet. Come on. So there's, there's at least another, maybe even two or three more parts there, I think. <laughs> anyway, got another great Whatever show. Whatever God up. wants. <laughs> Absolutely. Got another great show coming up on Monday, hosted by Father Tim Cohn and, whoa, Heather Carroll, coming to you from Holy Spirit Parish in Mitchell, South Dakota. They'll start off the show with Chris Paget from Catholic Family and Marriage Incorporated. He'll, they'll, uh, he'll talk about becoming who you are. Then hear who won the donuts in this week's Honor Our Fathers. And Salvatore Rigatano will, uh, from Holy Family ca- Coffins and Caskets will talk about their unique ministry to families who have lost a loved one. All that and so much more is coming up on Monday's Real Presence Live, right here on the Real Presence Radio Network, 9 to 11 a.m. Central. Right back to you.
All right. Well, thank you. I get to travel and see Father Tim Cohn. Oh, that'll be great. Tell him hello. I will. He is so much fun. I, oh, I yeah. love hanging out with him. I actually knew him as a little boy. Oh, you did? Yeah. Huh. But that's another story for oh, another day. Because you're both from the other side of the river. We are. It's quite an attraction over here. It, it totally just, is. Yep. Bring him across. <laughs> will you uh, part us with a blessing? We've only got Certainly. about a minute left. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May the God of goodness truth and love who has opened your hearts and minds this day continue to guide you in his way may our blessed mother be a presence that guides us close to the sacred heart may almighty god bless you the father and the son and the holy spirit amen amen in this year of saint joseph might he guide us and protect us and might saint john paul ii pray for us amen pray for us thank you father it's been a pleasure Blessing to be with you, Heather. This has been Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Real Presence Live brings you inspirational stories of faith and a look at the good and holy things happening in our local area. Weekday mornings from 9 to 11 Central. Tune in for an encore of each show beginning Saturday morning at 6. Get the podcast any time of day or night at yourcatholicradiostation.com or on the Real Presence radio app. And remember, you can be a part of the conversation through Facebook and Twitter. Real Presence Live, local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence radio network.